Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. The effect of no godly leadership or the effectiveness of no godly leadership, I think is a fitting subject as we look at our theme this month. Our scripture source is coming from two books. The book of Joshua and the book of Georges. These two books are linked by the fact they both record Joshua's death. Historically, the events in the book of Judges is a continuation of the events in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua records Joshua's military achievements, starting with the great falling of Jericho walls and all the other subsequent victories subdued the Canaanite military might throughout the land. But Joshua left a large area yet to be possessed by each individual tribe. The book of Judges looks back to Joshua's victory but then it looks forward to Israel's failure to complete the conquest of the promised land. It's interesting to note that the book of Judges concludes with an indictment of human moral decay. It records three times that there was no king in Israel. And the statement gives reason why everyone did as he wished and explained the deplorable spiritual condition of the nation in those days. As we go through this, and we're going to be looking at my, uh, quite a few scriptures, so I'm telling you that for those that got your Bibles and your tablets, we're going to be looking at quite a few scriptures. But as we go through these scriptures, I want you to keep one major fact in mind. These are God's people. The accounts of this that we're going to be talking about are God's people. And God's people are called to be led by godly leadership. Isn't it interesting to note that we have in God we trust on our money, but we don't have godly leadership in our nation. Godly leadership, this form of government is known as a theocracy. But God's people, desiring to be like other nations, wanted to be led by a human king and they would pay later on in the road very dearly for their decision. However, there is something worse than what they wanted, which was a monarchy. The people got to the point where there was an anarchy. Now, anarchy means a state of disorder due to not recognizing 
any authority or controlling system. Let me say that again. An anarchy is a state of disorder due to not recognizing any authority or any controlling system. Now, anarchy is not the lack of leadership. It's a matter of no respect for any form of leadership. Now, I want y'all to get this because this is going to be important if you get this later on. It's a matter of no respect for any form of leadership. And I got my own little term that I put in here. I call it self-ocracy. Self-ocracy implies no rules, no restrictions. It's a society where anything and everything goes. All you got to do is look at the commercials on what's coming on next fall on our major networks. It is manifested in rebellion and rejection of any kind of authority. Can we just be real for a moment? That is, talk about today. The moral decline of our nation can be leaked in many respects due to the lack of no godly leadership in our country. And this is in every stage of our country. Corruption within the federal and state and local government demonstrates a lack of spiritual integrity. This is even true in the religious sector. The examples that we are currently experiencing within the Catholic Church on how the leadership that's established handled the situation of accused sexual abuse. Not so much about the abuse, which was bad enough, but when leadership hides it, they endorse it. It's also true in the home. I want you to kind of think with me. I know you young people may not realize this, but there was a time that sitting down at a dinner table without saying grace and a Bible verse was unheard of. We, 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 if we didn't do anything, I think the first one we learned, we sat down to eat, we had to say Jesus whipped. Now if you sit down and say Jesus whipped, the question the kids ask you, who is Jesus? But I got a great example, a better one. In 1963, the Supreme Court of this nation banned a prayer in public school, and this was the year after they had banned the Bible. Since 1963, the increase in school dropout has in increased dramatically, and all you educated y'all should say amen. The probable conditions or Deterioration of school behavior among young boys have skyrocketed. Pregnancy among girls aged 15 to 19 has increased 187%. And for younger girls ages 10 to 14, pregnancy has increased 553%. 
sexual transmitted disease among students in school are up 226%. Suicide among the ages of 16 have increased 253%. Violent crimes have increased 544%. School shootings was unheard of before 1963. Academic achievement has plummeted, including the SAT scores. It's an interesting point about this. In every public school, the SAT scores are down, but in private religious school, the SAT grades are up. What they pray. Think about that. Only us, the oldest generation, living in America, can remember when public school welcomed God, revered him in classroom. All through elementary school and high school, our schools started with devotion. We started with prayer. Not only ever the Pledge of Allegiance, but we said the, what's called the Lord's Prayer every day before school and even every song some songs. I graduated in 1962. And I guess prayer left with me. This brings us to our text. In Joshua 24, the writer records Joshua farewell address. Joshua called all the leaders together and gave them a summary of Israel's history. From the call of Abraham all the way to Moses' book of Deuteronomy. The same way that Moses addressed the people at the end of the wilderness experience in Deuteronomy, Joshua now stands on the west side of Jordan in the promised land. He addressed the people after the conquest. There in the promised land, Joshua challenged the people to remain faithful to God. Judges chapter 2, verse 6-9 reads this way. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each through his inheritance to take possession of the land. To take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elder who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works that the Lord had done for Israel and Joshua the son of Nun the servant of the Lord died for it at the age of 110 years old. Now these verses in Judges are identical to the verses in Joshua chapter 24 verses 28 to 30. But the book of Judges adds something that's the focal point of the message today. So look with me at verse 10. And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers. In other words, they died. And there arose another generation after them 
who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. This new generation had heard the story, but they had not experienced God. And this word, know the Lord, is the word for intimacy. The same word that's used with Adam knew his wife. It's a close personal relationship. They had no close relationship with God. Let me let me just share it with you because some, some I heard somebody say, "Well, you old people, you ain't telling them." Well, they are told, but it's just words. They haven't experienced God. Now, Linda was trying to exalt us today about what she was feeling when she felt the Shekinah glory come in the room, the problem is everybody ain't been in death bed like you were. They, they just, just haven't experienced. And sometimes God's going to have to put some of y'all on y'all back before y'all really experience him. And because they had not had an intimate relationship with God, and after the leaders died, this new generation did their own thing. By the time we get to the end of the book of Judges, the last verse gives a troubling report. Judges 21, 25. In those days there were no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his eyes. Can I read it? D-A-W translation, that's me. Everybody did what they wanted to do. When the scripture says there was no king in Israel, it doesn't mean there was no leadership. They had what they called judges. More on that in a minute. But having a king of God's people called for a godly king, which implies that there was no God-ordained or God-sanctioned leadership. And even when the people started out saying, we want a king, they didn't wait on God. They chose a king. God said, let them have what they want. And Jeff, they went by what you were talking about. They went by their physical sight. God appointed these judges as military, judicial, and administrative leaders. Not spiritual leaders, even though there were some spiritual, such as Deborah. Their purpose was to deliver people from their enemies. But even over time, these judges did what was right in their own eyes. A classic example is Samson. So it beckoned me to ask the question, how did God's people sink so low spiritually? I mean, 40 years in the wilderness, you got a new generation. Now, after they're, they're dying out, their generation was born in the land of promise. How did they sink so low? I'm going to submit to you four contributing factors for spiritual decline. Number one is human rationalization. Human rationalization. Now, rationalization is defined as attempting to explain or justify behavior 
with logical reason, even if they are wrong or inappropriate. It's a classic case of leaning to your own understanding because it makes sense to you regardless of what God's words say. Even though the promised land was given to Israel by God and the military had been conquered under the leadership of Joshua, it was still necessary for each tribe to destroy the remaining Canaanites, but they did not. Why? Can I just regress a minute? Even though Jesus had paid the price of your salvation and you are saved, there's some things you got to get rid of in your life. Keep that in mind as we go through this. Let's look at the biblical account to see if we can find out why these people didn't rid themselves of the Canaanite. We're going to read a little bit. First of all, we're going to look at Judges chapter 1, verse 21. But the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. Keep in mind, these are God's people. All right, let's go to verse 27. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethsheon and its village, or Tanakh and its village, or inhabitants of Dor and its village, or inhabitants of Ablaim and its village, and inhabitants of Megiddo and this village, and the Canaanite persisted and dwelt with them in the land. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. Rationalization. God's people rationalized that it was better to put them to work rather than the strong. And I can imagine they were saying something like this. Well, you know, we got to dig wells. Why not get them to dig wells? We, we got to plant vineyards. The thing about it, wells is already there. Your leadership, they already had everything they needed. But they didn't want to work, so they put somebody else to work. Can I give you another rationalization? Well, they ain't nothing but a little baby. Cute little Canaanite baby. So I may as well just let this little Canaanite baby grow up. I'm not going to kill this little baby. The problem with that is just like the little boy that went fishing. He looked down there and he saw what a worm crawling. So he put the worm in the can and kept the worm for a while. Turned out the worm was really a rattlesnake. And when it grew up, then the danger was exposed. If God said what he said, he meant what he said, and he had a reason for saying it. But in their mind, it just didn't make sense. So they did what they wanted to do. They rationalized in their own mind. Now, don't be so hard on Benjamin and Manasseh. After all, Benjamin was the youngest tribe. They were the babies of the family. Manasseh was the smallest and weakest tribe. They really just couldn't do anything. 
So we can even say, well, you know, for Benjamin and Manassas, let's give them a break. Let, let's just continue our examination. Verse 29 of chapter 1. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites, but lived in Gerza. So the Canaanites lived in Gerza among them. Ephraim was the strongest of all the tribe. Mm -hmm. Verse 30. And Zebulon did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nahalo. So the Canaanites lived among them because they but became subject to forced labor. Zebulon was the largest tribe. Verse 31. Asher did not drive out the hammers of Achor, or the hammers of Sidon, or Apollon, or Axid, or Heblon, or Aplain, or Rehob, so that Asherites lived among the Canaanites in the hammers of the land, for they did not drive them out. Asher was the richest tribe. Y'all getting the message here? It's a common thing. Well, let's, let's just go on. Naphtali, verse 33, did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshemus or the inhabitants of Beth uh, Anna. So they lived among the Canaanites and, and inhabited the land. Neither, nevertheless, the inhabitants of Bethshemus and Beth became subject to forced labor. Naphtali was the royal. They were the most, restrict, most respected tribe. The counts and Judges lists only six or twelve tribes. But for those of you who know a little something about this, only ten tribes went to the Promised Land. Reuben and Gad stayed on the other side. Half a tribe of Manasseh stayed on this side. You will look at this and you will say, this is 60% of God's people who did what they wanted to do. They thought what was best in their interest. But if you closely look at Scripture, you will find out that none of the tribes, none of them, Completely rid the land of the Canaanites. And this led to the second contributing factor. Number two. Willful disobedience. Willful disobedience. Judges chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3. Now the angel of the Lord went up to Gilgad to Boshan. And he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your father. I said I would never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. You shall break down their altars. You shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become a thorn in your side, and that God shall be a snare to you. Break down the altars. Altars are a symbol of places of worship. And by not completely eradicating the Canaanites, meant that their worship experience and practice was still among God's people. But the worshiping of Jehovah and heathen gods cannot exist. Somebody's got to go. 
since people of God have broken their part of the covenant. And that was to serve God all by himself, no one else. God's promise of his guidance and protection was null and void. They tied God's hand. He couldn't protect them because he was no longer their God. This resulted into the third contributing factor. Spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery. Judges 2, 11 through 13. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baal. And they abandoned the Lord, their God, of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods. From among the gods of the people who were around them. And bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger they abandoned the Lord again, it says, and served Baal and Ashtoreth. Skip down to verse 17. Yet they did not listen to the judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They stood turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, whom had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. This language here is descriptive of a jealous husband who really lavishes wife with everything that she ever desired, yet he comes home one day and she is no longer there. She has ran away with another man. Can you imagine how he feels? But God's action sums up our fourth contributing factor. Secular compromise. Secular means worldly. Secular compromise. Giving in. Judges chapter 3. Verse 5 and 6. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And their daughters they took to themselves for wives. And their own daughters they gave to their sons. And they served their God. You see, the lack of godly leadership created a void. And that void had to be fulfilled. And Israel filled it by compromising. Since God was no longer among them because they had broken the covenant, they decided to serve whoever God was close. Likewise, my brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, there is a spiritual vacuum within our nation. And the void is being filled with secular humanism. America is besieged by many false religions. 
pushed by a false prophet. I want you to be careful when you look at TV and you see these commercials. And these movies they got coming. One of them that come to mind is called The Nun. Don't know anything about it. But I do know a picture of it turns the cross upside down. And there be many people who are Christian that will go to it. And something from that movie will sink in their spirit that's nothing but a lie. But because it's easier to do what your flesh wants you to do, you will compromise. Even something as simple as HGTV or do-it-yourself channel. But the amount of couples that they portray all types. Any type you want to see, they will portray. Whether it's interracial by race or a choice of who you love by sex, they are pushing it to where it will become normal to you when you see it. Two ladies who adopt two boys and raising them in their household. And we will say it's normal. False religion. And we need to be careful. You know what? There's an organization called the American Civil Liberties Union who under the skies of equality for all people are attacking the Christian faith. It's amazing to me that of all the things that the ACLU is doing most of it is against Christianity. And I know for some it seems right because it's pushing civil rights, women's rights, but it goes farther than that. But we are compromised because the two things that we see which is valuable to us we won't separate from them things that are not of God. Listen. If someone took a hyperdermic needle and just stuck a needle into an apple at the top of the apple, would you try to eat around everything but the top, or would you let the whole apple go? We are guilty, and we know this is wrong. We know this is not godly, but because this is, I'm going to compromise. Another organization, the Freedom From Religion Foundation. It's an organization that hides under the umbrella 
of separation between church and state. But their aim is really to rid the nation of Christianity. They came down here, an organization from Tennessee came down here doing a Warner Robins football game because the, the student leadership wanted to say prayer before the ball game. They go to public schools and protest. If anybody said, I heard them pray in school, or they open the Bible in school. But isn't it interesting to know that they said nothing about what the Muslim and other non-Christian religions are doing? It's just a personal attack against Christianity. Why is it that they send us through hoops to get into prison to minister? And the only thing that other organizations got to do is say, they don't have nothing like this. And they just open the door on it. <laughs> no godly leadership. But there's hope. There is hope. The Bible records Jesus, rather, excuse me, Solomon prayer after the temple of God was erected. And after giving a long list of things that he wanted God to do, yes, God, God, if we mess up and look toward this temple, hear us. And God responds to us, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and heal the land. I don't have to give you a diagnosis that this land is sick. But you know what? And Jeff kind of brought this out. You got two choices. If you see this nation is corrupt with non godly leadership, you got two choices. You can complain or you can pray. And I don't mean praying, complaining. Just simply pray. God has used people like Nebuchadnezzar, Xerxes, to govern his people so he can use what we got now. But it ain't no sense to complain. Your will be done, God. Not how I feel. Israel went through a cycle of sin servitude, supplication, and salvation. Every time they mess up, God let them fall right into their mess. They cried out to the Lord. The Lord heard their cry and delivered them. And through Israel suffered under the oppression of the enemy, God's grace was repeatedly evident when the people turned to him in repentance. 
Now, I know it's just a few of us here. I know this is just making Georgia. But I believe it's got to start somewhere. If you make up your mind to pray, there can be godly leadership within you. Joshua summed this up best, and I'm going to end with this. Again, as he's talking to these people that he led through the wilderness, knowing that it's time to let them on their own, he said this in verse 14 of chapter 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. These two words will trip you up. Because if you don't do it in sincerity and faithfulness, you're going to compromise. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river in Egypt. And serve the Lord. What he said, put away the gods that was behind you. You know, sometimes we go through life and many of us, you know, some of y'all live real moral lives and then got saved. But some of us live some bad, horrible lives and then got saved. But whatever God delivering you from, leave it back there. Don't go back and try to pick it up. But he didn't stop there. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Was the God your father served in the region beyond the river that's past, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? See, when you got saved, your flesh will steal your flesh. And if you're saved now, maybe God delivered you from homosexual back there. And now you're on this side. Don't mean you go out and heterosexual through fornication. You don't pick up no new gods. And even in religion, even in the church, we pick up new gods. The God of pride, the God of self. I want everybody to know how good I sing. Well, yes. You make a choice. Because me and Miss Joshua, we don't make a choice. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve Jehovah. We're going to serve Yahweh. You serve Baal if you want to. But we're going to serve the Lord. New Testament application. I want my life to honor Jesus. Who do you want your life to honor? You? 
See, but sometimes it's easy for us to talk about the devil and all the bad things. But you can be an idol if you want to serve yourself. That's why Jesus came and died for us. And we're here because of his death to celebrate that his grace is sufficient. Maybe you don't have this grace applied to your life. We can change that right now. Will you stand with me, please? Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.